Hey, everybody, it's Ron Johnson, and this is Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it's Friday, so you know what that means. It's the roundtable, but no, I'm not in the snow. I'm in sunny Mexico, but I still have Reggie Wilson. Julia Daines is not too happy with that, and Sam Mexico. I'm sending some sun back your way, people, so make sure you guys stay tuned. This is Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's the Friday roundtable, and we got a lot of topics to talk about. It's All-Star break coming up. Justin Jefferson is creating a little buzz around the city. Kirk Cousins, what's going to happen with him? And then the Minnesota Gophers, if they beat Purdue, Maybe, maybe we thought they had a chance, but I don't know. But, well, let's get locked in on these topics. What you got for us today, Reggie? Well, the Wolves closed out the first half of this. Well, it's not really the first half, but you know what I mean. Before the All-Star break, going into that with some good momentum, we're talking about their four-game win streak coming up. And also, the Super Bowl happened, so, of course, we've got to talk about it. Some of our lasting takeaways. And what would be more damaging to the Vikings if they didn't sign Kirk Cousins back or if they traded Justin Jefferson? Mm. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Now, new customers join today and you'll get 150 bucks. That's 150 bucks, bucks in bonus bets if your $5 bet wins. There's some good ones out there. I know the Super Bowl's done, so we can't bet on that. But we told you our favorite parlays, but now it's basketball season. All you have to do, honestly, find the Wolves, find out who they're playing, if they're trash, and bet that $5 on them. You're probably going to win because the Wolves now have figured it out. Going to the All-Star break, we got to talk about that. But first, let's talk about Justin Jefferson. Sam, take it away. Yeah, you got it. So Justin Jefferson made some waves this week. The report from Tom Pelissero was that he wants to know the Vikings quarterback plan before he signs long term. And maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's something. Maybe if the Vikings tell Justin Jefferson, we're going to go with a rookie, there's going to be kind of an unknown. Maybe Justin doesn't want that. Maybe he forces his way into a trade. It's theoretical, but let's talk about it. What would be more damaging to the Vikings in 2024? trading Justin Jefferson or not re-signing Kirk Cousins. I think this is an actually an interesting talker because you obviously have the best at his position at wide receiver, and you've got maybe the 10th to 12th best quarterback in the league. But quarterback's also a little more important than wide receiver. And also, if you trade Justin Jefferson, you get something back. If you don't re-sign Kirk Cousins, you don't get anything back. In fact, you owe Kirk Cousins $28.5 million against the cap next year. So there is a little bit of weightedness to this discussion. I still think that if you trade Justin Jefferson, I think that you are signaling to your team, to your fan base, that this is a full-on rebuild. Like We are going back to the studs. We're going to tear this thing down and then build it back up with low money, with low contractual commitments, and we're going to kind of start over. That's not really a signal that I want to send. Uh, you're losing the best wide receiver in the NFL. You're going to have to replace him somehow. I think the Vikings should make that extension official uh, soon. They should make sure that Justin Jefferson is not in any way tempted to strong arm his way out of Minnesota. Give him that record-breaking deal. Uh, I think that needs to get done. Reggie. Yeah, I think that's the the first priority. Like, look, would it be nice if they could find a way to make it work to bring Kirk Cousins back? Sure. Um, but I think what's interesting about this whole thing is, like, you've already lost 
uh, quote unquote generational type receiver once with Stefan Diggs. He got the he's got the one of the biggest plays of our generation with the the Minnesota Miracle, right? And then you trade him away and somehow land on Justin Jefferson, and he turns into the best wide receiver in the game. You cannot afford to miss out twice. Because, like, you know, we've seen it happen now. It looks like, anyway, the, the Packers go from Favre to Rodgers to Love. Seems like they just continue to hit on their franchise quarterbacks. But, like, they're more the anomaly, not the trend. Like, that's not something that's going to continue to happen. And, you know, what's what's been interesting, too, about this whole thing is I saw the – I saw what, what came out on Twitter – that Pelicero said that I did not hear Pelicero say that exactly on, I could have missed it, but everybody keeps citing this tweet that didn't come from Tom. It came from some random account that quoted Tom Pelicero saying that, which is, is kind of interesting. So um, all that I heard from Jefferson is what he was talking about on radio row. He's like, look, I would love to stay with the team, but, you know, we got to, we got to, he was like, I want to break the bank. And so that was the first time we had really kind of heard him say those words. Um, so that's interesting. But I think the, even if like, I, I even go back to like, and this is a different situation because he was a little older, but when Cam Newton got drafted by the Panthers, they had Steve Smith in place and Cam Newton's rookie year, the two of them lit it up. So even if they go ahead and try to go younger at QB, you still need a bona fide receiver to help that quarterback progress along. So the smartest thing to do is to sign JJ and then figure the rest out and hope that he buys into the plan, whatever the plan is at quarterback. Juju? Yeah, um, at the end of the day, Justin Jefferson is more irreplaceable than Kirk is. And I think that also Kirk really, I mean, he was heating up right before he tore his Achilles, but his backup quarterbacks made him look so much better as well. Um, And we have to remember that Justin Jefferson said, you know, he was in Vegas this week and um, he talked a lot to media and, and he said, obviously the quarterback situation comes into play when it comes to my contract. But he also said, even with an injury that took him out for seven games, nearly eight, um, I still had a thousand yard season on four different backup quarterbacks. Uh, so he said, my game speaks for itself. If I'm the Vikings, um, you, if you don't resign Kirk and you keep JJ, at least with another quarterback coming in, they have a guy like him to throw to, right? He didn't get the best balls this season, but he somehow still made it happen. Obviously going for 2000 yards, you miss, 7.75 games, um, you're not going to end up with a 2,000-yard season. But the fact that he still had a 1,000-yard season despite all of the adversity that he faced this year, that's reason enough to keep him around. But he is the best in the league. Reggie's right when you say um, you lose Stephon Diggs and then you hit the nail on the head when you draft Justin Jefferson in his place. You can't count on that happening over and over and over again. Um, I think priority number one, like both of you guys said, you have to keep this guy around because the chances of another guy coming around like him, slim to none. Um, I think that's your best bet. More damaging to lose him than anybody else on the entire roster. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and for me, when you look at Justin Jefferson, the biggest takeaway for Justin Jefferson is, and I think he's dead on, quarterback. Who's going to be his quarterback? Who's going to be the guy to help him get to the Super Bowl? Who's going to be the guy to protect him? Um, I'm not bringing up old Vikings quarterbacks, but Sam, you were here for it. You remember those days of like they went from like Christian Ponder to, you know, I forgot even before that who it was or after that. I mean, there was quarterback after quarterback uh, that a lot of guys, what was the guy named? Josh Freeman. Um, Donovan McNabb for a minute. Yep. There was just a lot of hodgepodge. And so when you think about uh, Sidney Rice and and, and Vashante Shanko and some of the guys that talked about that era of quarterback and how when they got Brett Favre, they were like, oh, my God. That's where Justin Jefferson is. He has his Brett Favre. He has Kirk Cousins. And so for the Minnesota Vikings, they have to do right by Justin. Um, I, I don't know if they can, and that's the problem. I think Pelissero, I, I agree, Reggie. I haven't seen actually anything saying that. That might have been maybe a private conversation. That might have been, let me just run with what I think he means. Uh, we know a lot of people aren't going to ever come back and say, I never said that. Like, that's just not the game we're in, unless it's really bad. Um, and so for Justin Jefferson, they got to find a way. I don't know how. I don't know when. And, and with Justin Jefferson comes Kirk Cousins. So I think you bite that bullet and you go draft J.J. McCarthy and let's let's get ready for the future because other than that, you're right, Julia, the quarterbacks that came in, every time they threw a pass – Justin uh, Kirk Cousins got wings like uh, it felt like a Christmas movie every time they threw a pass uh, a quarterback died somewhere and Kirk Cousins got more wings added to his back and then all of a sudden he rises like the Phoenix out the sun Achilles is better and he has all of his wings because not gonna lie Jaron Hall I thought he was gonna be the guy Josh Jobs I thought he was gonna be the guy uh, neither panned out I think a lot of the Kirk Cousins haters wanted those guys to be the guys but they're not they're not the guys to pair with Justin Jefferson. The guy to pair with him is, is Kirk Cousins. And then you let J.J. McCarthy learn. He's only 21, so by the time he plays, he'll be 23, 24, and he'll be ready to take the Vikings into the next echelon of a Vikings fandom, like the Packers did with Jordan Love. I think that's a success story right there. But we'll see what happens. Now it's time to move on. I know we, we were talking about the, uh, the, the uh, Super Bowl, uh, but I'm going I'm to start with you, Julie, on that. Yeah, our lasting takeaways from the big game. Um, number one, Usher's halftime performance. Every single year, people keep topping the year before. Obviously, loved Rihanna last year, pregnancy announcement. Usher on skates, singing, are you kidding me? That was just phenomenal. But when it comes to the game, obviously, you couldn't ask for much more than extra football when it comes to the Super Bowl. It's the last game of the year. Everyone wants a little extra football. You go into overtime. And what I cannot get over is um, 49ers wanting the ball. <laughs> Why? I don't know what, like, the thought process was. I don't know if you guys have seen all of the mic'd up clips. So good. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. Kyle Shanahan going, Fred, we want the ball. And that's it. No one said it. No one, no one wanted to object. You have all of these guys on one headset system. And I just don't understand why you would ever, ever, ever give Patrick Mahomes the last say in anything. You know what this guy does in crunch time. You know what this guy does when he thinks the odds are stacked against him. I just that that stuck with me and the fact that you can go back and you can look at Patrick Mahomes' face in slow motion when they say we want the ball and he goes like this. 
And then he runs off the field and he goes, they wanted the ball. They wanted the ball. They wanted the ball. And then you have Travis Kelsey running around going, that's fine. They can have the ball. <laughs> and things ended exactly as the Chiefs expected it to with that decision that was made there. That's the lasting thing to me. I, I, I just don't know like why people keep doing this. You, you give Patrick Mahomes a shot, the last say in whatever it is, and he's going to take it every single time. I don't know why people haven't learned their lesson yet. Yeah, so I and that that for me is a big one too. I I think that we're being a little hard on Shanahan for the simple reason that like I see where he was coming from thinking that okay, if we both do the same thing, then we get the ball in sudden death first, right? If we both punt, we get the ball next and it's sudden death, we can win with a field goal. If we both get a field goal, we get the ball next, we can end it. Like, that's probably what he was thinking. But what he didn't account for was that he's going up against a very aggressive coaching staff, coaching staff that is probably going to go for two if you score a touchdown. They're probably going to prioritize, you know, going forward on fourth down if they need, even if they need a field goal. Like, they're going to Dan Campbell it a little bit. And it was unlikely that San Francisco was ever going to see that ball again. They were either going to win it with a defensive stop or lose it on a touchdown or a touchdown, a two-point conversion, whatever the Chiefs needed. I think the Chiefs even said they would have gone for two had they needed a touchdown uh, to tie the game. Um, so the first time we've seen you know, that new overtime format, so there's not like there's a lot of data around what to do in that situation. Um, I think I understand why Shaney tried it. I think he probably regrets it. The Chiefs were all over it. That mic'd up video is great. They were so like locked in and unified in what they wanted to do. Um, and they executed to their credit. I mean, it's not there's no myth around that drive if they don't execute, right? And they did. Like Patrick Mahomes was absolutely masterful. Game winning walk-off TD in the Super Bowl doesn't get better than that. I thought the the most my lasting takeaway is Usher. Perform with the noops. Usher performed with my frat brothers. When I saw the two dudes behind him with the with the canes, I was like, ah, we made it. No other frat has performed with a Super Bowl halftime performer like that. So, so for, for the that, for the ignorant cues. among us. For the ignorant among us, what are like who are you talking about? What are you talking about? Help me. I out. am a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, one of the okay. Divine Nine historically black Greek organizations. Kappa Alpha Psi was the second black Greek uh fraternity founded uh and uh right behind the Alphas in 1906. And so the Alphas, wow. the Qs or the Omegas, the Sigmas. None of those, the, the Iotas, none of those guys had any Super Bowl halftime performances that they were a part of. So take that, other frats. But anyway, um, no, that was that was loose, really Reggie? Cool. Did you did you get loose with your shoulders during the uh performance? Maybe, maybe Ron, <laughs> but you know what? That's between me and my shoulders, brother. But uh but but anyway, uh in, in terms of the game, I think it's interesting because all these people you know, keep talking about Shanahan taking the ball, whatever. If you look at that game, Steve Wilkes and that defense pretty much had 
Patrick Mahomes and the, the Chiefs offense stifled for most of the night. You know, like even when they had a chance to win it at the end of regulation, they stopped the, the Kelsey play one-on-one. They had Rasheed Rice wide open, but, you know, Patrick didn't look over to the middle of the field um, to end the game. But the Chiefs literally pulled out their best drive of the game to win that Super Bowl. And it's like, look, give it to it. If, if that's how they're going to play it, give it to them. And it sucks because Steve Wilkes loses his job after that game, after holding them to, to 19 points in regular, like that, that whole thing was just so silly to me that, that that was the outcome. But I think Shanahan trusted that his guys would go down there. He was aggressive the whole game. And he trusts that his guys are going to go down there and score and the defense is going to do what they were doing for most of the game, which is stop them, and they were going to win the Super Bowl. Like, that was that was his, his thought process. Didn't work out like that because Patrick Mahomes is inevitable, and we saw that. Probably wouldn't do that type of thing again. Don't don't be a little too overconfident. But that that really is the thing. And also, like, they can't just keep running corn dog and, and just winning these these games. Like at some point, you have to kind of like think about the fact that they might run the play because they ran it twice last year. And what did Andy Reid say? It was Tom and Jerry, a little mustard and ketchup this time, or something like that. This this time around, they ran the exact same play. All although all they did what they they rolled Pat Mahomes out to the right this time. And it was still wide open. Why do you keep allowing that to happen? That was my takeaway. Yeah, for me, my takeaway, um, definitely like the, the halftime performance. I thought it was cool. I saw the I saw this after on Twitter. Uh, her, when she performed with the guitar, they went back to like when she was nine and she sung the national anthem and then now being on the Super Bowl stage. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a cool kind of full circle moment for her. Uh, her as in her the person. Um, mm-hmm. I also, I am a fan of her music, so it was kind of cool to see that. And, and, uh, Usher, I think him and Alicia Keys set it off like Alicia Keys with that dress and the, 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 uh, piano, like she did, she did like Alicia Keys. I, I mean, I grew up on that with, uh, you know, you don't know my name, <laughs> you know, it just, it's, 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 that's, that's, that was for me. Like Alicia Get the Keys shoulders going me, Reggie. Let's go. She, she had me in a, see she those had me in a trance. She was wearing the nuke red, so I give her that. Um, but I think that was one. For me, going to the football side of it, uh, the biggest takeaway for me, it felt weird at the end. I think Tony Romo really stomped all over that last call. He should have shut the hell up uh, at some point. Like, you you can't talk the entire time. Like, when they're in the huddle, do your thing. When they come to the line of scrimmage, now let Jim Nance set the stage for the possible last play of the game. Like, he's talking about the clock. And the fact that they don't have to hike the ball, which honestly, that goes back to Tony Romo as a cowboy. And I respect Tony Romo to death. I, I wish I had his career. Here's the thing about Tony Romo. That was a true cowboy moment. Not the cat, because I see him sitting there. Cowboy <laughs> Dallas. He thought that they didn't have to snap the ball. The play clock was at like eight seconds and the game clock was at nine. You have to snap the ball or it's a penalty, Tony. Like, I don't understand if he didn't understand math or he thought the play clock didn't matter because I heard people kept saying that too. Like, why are we even have a clock if they both get a chance? Like, why is there, should this be untimed? Why is it going to be an untimed down if they're just going to let them go? It wasn't going to be an untimed down. That was Tony Romo saying that and everybody just thought like he was right. He was wrong. It was going to be a delay of the game 
if they didn't hike the ball. So for me, one, I felt like the 49ers were unaware, maybe two. Um, it was a lot. Maybe they were listening to the TV broadcast or they were like, oh, because it looked really relaxed. When that dude went in motion and he said, hut, hut, it almost felt like they were like, oh, he's just going to try to get his jump off sides. Like, no, he's they're about to kill you. They're going for the shot. Like, this is the kill shot. And so Tony Romo talked through that whole play. I didn't even understand it was really over. Uh, Mikael Hardman didn't know it was over. He caught it. And he was like, oh, like, oh, wait, I won? Like, it was just weird. And then for the 49ers, I think, I think Julie, you said, or Reggie, like the, the mic'd up stuff now of even Hughes check uh, saying that, like, oh, did y'all know that we got the ball, but they get the ball too? I didn't even know that. Like, what? Do you know what you're at right now? You're at the Super Bowl. So there's cameras everywhere. Like, that was my, that will forever be my, my lasting takeaway. Well, we got to talk about the Timberwolves because All-Star Break's coming up. I'm looking forward to the dunk contest, three-point contest, a lot of stuff to look forward to. We also have to talk about the Gophers. They almost beat Purdue. They made it a close game. Is that enough? We'll talk about all that and much more, but we have a read from our sponsors. We are brought to you today by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We are Head over heels into basketball season now. Football season's done. It's the all-star break. NBA playoffs are just around the corner. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Maybe you want to take a big gamble and uh, put that on Carl Anthony Towns in the three-point contest at like plus 850. That wouldn't be too bad. And get $150 in bonus bets if you win. $150 bucks if your bet wins. And then you can sprinkle that around on some college basketball, NBA, NHL, or whatever you want. But on your favorite NBA players and teams, quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, plenty more. FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on the website. And shoot your shot. FanDuel, an official sports book partner of the NBA. Well, now it's time to talk about the All-Star game, the Wolves at the break. Reggie, do what you do. All right, so the Wolves, they got it done. Beat the, the Trailblazers um, in back-to-back games last night. Beat them 128-91. to And you know what? They came out and really took this game seriously, which, you know, you, you kind of wondered, okay, they beat the, the Blazers the other night, so how are they going to come out this time? They come out and have a 44-14 to 14 first quarter. I, I think the, the Wolves tweeted out the second largest point differential to start a game. Like, that's, that's taking care of business. But then, interestingly enough, because it's the Wolves, the Blazers kind of closed the gap in that second quarter. And it, it kind of got a little a little interesting uh, throughout the course of the game. But then, you know, fourth quarter, they did what they needed to do and 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 got it done. And once again, coming off the 41 point performance, he had 34 cat added 23 on eight of 13 shooting six of six from the free throw line and was seven of eight from the line. And it was just an all out good performance. I really like what I saw from uh, Jaden McDaniels. He had. No points in that last game against the Blazers. He had 17 plus 22 when he was on the floor, plus 36 when Ant was on the floor. And then we saw Reed, Monte Morris come in and 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 they got double digits off the bench. Like it was just an all-around solid performance and something good to go into the all-star break. Um we were kind of joking about it in the in the sports office last night, but our producer Ryan was like 
You think Finch is actually excited to coach this all-star game? I feel like <laughs> he said he felt like the lack of defense in the all-star game was going to drive Finch nuts. And, you know, Finch already made the joke like, yeah, like, I'm sure those guys won't listen to me because these guys here don't listen to me. So it, it's it's all the same. But I think it's going to be a cool experience to to kind of put the Timberwolves on, on center stage. I am having a little bit of FOMO. You know, that Indy is the, the last place that I live before Minnesota. So it's kind of cool to see how they are just like pulling out all the stops. Now, look, Indy knows how to do it right when it comes to sporting events. We saw that for March Madness a couple years ago during the pandemic. And they they really just know how to do things right. And so, you know, we already saw last night there was like all these like there was an all star gospel celebration. Two of them actually Mike Epps was there. Him and uh, Uncle Shay Shay decided to squash their very, very short-lived beef, I guess. Um, so that that was a, a win already from All-Star Weekend. And then we get to see Cat and Ant in the skills competition and the three-point competition. And then we'll see how much they get to get a chance to play. I feel like since it's Finch, it could go either way. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to play my guys. Or he's like, yeah, we got we got more important things to to worry about after this break is up. So I think it's good. They go into the, the break uh, with the, a four-game winning streak, playing some of the best basketball that they've played all season. Let's see how they can kind of keep him moving forward as they um, transition back into the season next week. If Minnesota sports has taught me anything, it's not to hold on to a belief for anything to happen, uh, which I say I feel like every single week when we talk about some kind of hypothetical in terms of a team doing well, the West is so much tighter than the East is, right? You've got Thunder, Clippers, Nuggets, and Suns all all trying to close the gap. They're all within three, three games, I believe. Um, so I'm not going to commit to anything. I do think the Wolves are playing their best basketball yet. I saw uh, a graph that John Krasinski retweeted he was quote tweeting it today. Um, and it was a X and Y axis, like a T graph that had your positive X and Y and your negative X and Y. And uh, the Y was defense and the X was offense. And the Wolves were right up there in the very top right quadrant, which means the best of the best in both sides of things. Um, yeah, if they can stay healthy, I, I would put money on them securing the one seed um, into all-star weekend. Yeah. I thought it was funny that we were joking about that last night and, and when Finch just needed to win that one game right after the announcement of the all-stars in order to become the coach and they lost, I was joking that, Oh, he probably lost that game on purpose. So he doesn't have to go coach <laughs> the all-star game. Um, but obviously it ended up happening anyway. Anyways, they won the game after that, but um all-Star Weekend, my favorite part is, of course, the dunk contest, but it's not necessarily just about the dunks. I like to see the reactions from everyone else during the dunk contest. Um, that's, I, I just love, I love to see everyone shocked or embarrassed uh, by either a crazy dunk or, or a huge fail. So that's my favorite part of the weekend. Yeah, look into the Wolves' pursuit of the one seed. I'm just a whole lot more encouraged now than I was a couple weeks ago. The Wolves have won 9 out of 12 going into the All-Star break, and the three that they lost were because they lost big fourth-quarter leads against the Bulls, 
the Magic and the Spurs, and they lost those games like by one, two, and in overtime. Uh, they could be on a 12-game winning streak right now. I, I still think the fourth quarters, they, that still worries me because that can become part of your DNA. But they've also built up a, a really nice cushion on Denver. They've got a three-game lead over Denver, two games over the Clippers, and I, and I viewed those two as probably the biggest threats in the West. They come out of the All-Star break with seven consecutive at home where they've only lost five games all season. So they've really got a chance to come out refreshed, string some more wins together, and build this Western Conference lead. And Julia mentioning health, that is the biggest factor because the Wolves last year didn't have a lot of health luck. This year, they've had all kinds of it. And that's the difference sometimes between being a one seed and being a four seed is if you keep your guys together. They've had Ant knock on wood. They've had Cat pretty much the whole season knock on wood. I mean, really, Jaden had that short-term injury. Rudy's been healthy, and that's been the, the huge difference. Um, so stay healthy, and I think that one seed is very much within reach. Unfortunately, your first-round matchup as a one seed, it's still going to be formidable. It's going to be against LeBron or Luka or Steph Curry. Like You're probably going to be taking on like a world-class Hall of Famer on that opposing side in that, uh, that first-round series. Yeah, Sam, I, I think I think the one seed is theirs. Um, it's going to be a race. We know, like, right now they're actually putting space between them and the Nuggets. When Reggie, when we did the uh, basketball party, we talked about this, like, what, a week ago. It was a half game between all four teams, and now it's three games to the Nuggets. It's two games to the Clippers. It's one and a half to the Thunder. And you're right. And, Sam, don't overlook. I watched these guys the other night. Malik Monk, the, the, the Kings are nice. Like, mm-hmm. I, I watched those two guards, uh, De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. Those are two nice guards, and that's what's scary is, like, Mike Conley and Anthony Edwards versus Malik Monk. And and I think, honestly, like, I like Steph Curry and I like the Warriors. I think they're going to run circles around them. Uh, the, the Lakers are just old. I'm sorry, Reggie, but they are. Uh, it, it's time for LeBron James and Anthony Edwards, Anthony Davis, to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, I know I see the Lakers now. Jenny Buss talking about they might draft Bronny just to keep LeBron healthy. Um, but when you think about the Kings possibly would probably be the eighth seed. That's a nasty eight. You you could have possibly had the Mavericks too, though, with this whole play-in situation. That's a nasty game. So the West is loaded. I mean, uh, the only team, honestly, you really want in the seven-game series early is the Pelicans. But here's the thing. If you take care of business and the Pelicans somehow, some way, find a way to beat the Clippers, I think that's when you're now looking at some of that other stuff. It's like, hey, we might get the Pelicans in this to go to the NBA, uh, the Western Conference Final. Um, as far as the All-Star game goes, uh, and, and Chris Finch, this whole coaching thing and having to coach it. I don't even understand the rule behind that. I was kind of confused when they were trying to explain it because when he did win, where he lost, and then he was the two seed, and then he won, and they were even, but he still is coaching. So that that one threw me off for a minute. But, yeah, I don't think anybody really wants to coach the All-Star game. It's not like coaching, you know, the Super Bowl. The All-Star game is in the middle of the season. you rather be getting ready for your second half of the season. Uh, it is a nice little, like, resume thing to say you did. You coached you know, LeBron and, and all these other guys, and you got to be there and see your guys. You got Cat and Anthony Edwards. If I was Chris Finch, I'm putting all my my Timberwolves on the floor anyway at the same time. I'm like, hey, look, let's get them all out there. Let's play our game. Let's play some lockdown defense and, and really just piss everybody off that we're playing all-star game defense. Um, that That's I – would, I would set the tone that way early on and just say, hey, let's go on like a 20 nothing run and just play real defense. I would just wear but, down Jokic. Just wear down Jokic, right? Just weaken, weaken your adversary. Just play him all 48 minutes, run everything through him. 
just just I didn't think about run that. him into That's the ground. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, hey, we really need you. Cat has a sore ankle. <laughs> <laughs> and just throw throw him like alley oops. Make him make him make him play in the make post. Him jump. Make yeah. him defend. He already he hates does. his job so much. <laughs> he wants He'll to go play with his horses hates anyway. The All Star game. He hates basketball right now. He wants to go go play with his horses and hang out with his horses. We know that he doesn't care for what's going on right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's the key thing. Uh, we do have to talk a little bit about what what our favorite part or what we're looking forward to to pay attention to the most. Really quick, uh, before we jump into our read, and we're gonna talk real quick about the Gophers. Really quick, what's something at the All Star game that you want that you're gonna pay attention to the most? Let's start with you, Reggie. I'm just looking forward to seeing like who's going to be that person that is just like, you know what? This is my night. You know, we saw it with Russell Westbrook several years ago, you know, Damian Lillard. Who is going to be that guy? I fit, I I want to say it'll be like Anthony Edwards, but I just don't know with Chris Finch like coaching the team if he's just going to let Ant go full unhinged, but I'm looking forward to seeing like who's going to be that person that says like, you know what? This is my game today. I'm going after that Kobe Bryant trophy. This is me. I got this. Julia. My bad, everybody. I thought we were looping it all in together. Uh, like I said, the dunk contest. Also, I have to say, I love to see which celebrities show up to the All-Star game, too. It's always mm. a random mix of people, and especially with it being an indie, uh, I'll be interested to see who shows up to watch. Yeah, I I um I don't know when the dunk contest kind of became a young man's game. Like usually the the dunk contest has a lot of players that I don't necessarily recognize or know their games very well. And for some reason the three-point contest has become the star-studded event. So like the dunk contest, you know, Jalen Brown, good player, Mac McClung, Jacob Toppin, and Jaime Hawkes Jr. Um good players, professionals. I think I'm actually more interested in the three-point contest, not just because of Cat, but because you've got Halliburton in front of the home crowd and Lillard trying to to you know go back to back. There's just a bunch of stars in that part of it, so I'm locked into the three-point contest on Saturday. Yeah, for me, I'm a, I I want to see this Steph Curry versus Sabrina. Like, I, I want to see what that's going to look like because if if she does like outshine Steph, because Steph is tired right now, he looks old. Um, they could do all like Jerry Mine. We saw Jerry Mine against the Clippers do the four. Like he tried to go full Clay Thompson on that. And after he got elbowed in the face and then he ran down the court. By the way, I don't know if you guys saw that play. Draymond gets elbowed and then they play like two full back and forth down the court with Draymond land in the court. Like at no point did the ref stop the game. Did Steve Kerr think to call the time? That was hilarious. <laughs> like Steve, <laughs> Steve Kerr is literally like, man, you get what you deserve. Like lay there. And he laid on the ground for a full back and forth. Like they laid on the floor. They missed their layup. He's still on the floor. They run down. They get a dunk. They come back down. The Warriors get a dunk. They go back down. I'm like, oh my God. I'm not, Clay's I'm just, just looking at him like. Oh man, it okay, was whatever. hilarious. It's almost like it was like a football play. Like, hey, move the drill down 10 yards, man. Let's get this going. Like they stepped over Draymond. He he had to feel stupid because he if you watch the replay, he didn't get hit that hard. But anyway, Draymond doing the four, like Steph Curry, they look tired, they look old. Like that's clearly why they're they, they tried to trade for LeBron at the last minute. So I'm looking forward to seeing this Sabrina versus Steph. Because if she outshines him, then we know next year it's gonna be the Caitlin Clark show. Like they might end up trying to figure out how to create a WNBA NBA All-Star. Uh, some type of format to like get WNBA involved a little bit more to get them some money. 
uh, because that is the way to get them the money in the skills challenge, maybe in a shootout challenge. You, I don't know if you guys remember the past. They used to dribble, 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 pass through stuff, hit the hole, and then go down and hit, shoot the layup. Maybe have the women and the men do that, you know, because, again, that's just about skill and passing ability. Um, and so Sabrina's going to shoot her size ball. Steph's going to shoot his size ball. So they're keeping it, you know, to their to – the, everybody's like, oh, is it going to be the same ball or what? So I'm, I'm interested to see how this turns out because if Steph – and then if Steph blows her out the water – then, you know, people are going to like really just go loose on Twitter with all the stupid takes. So that that should, for me should be a good one. But we got to talk about the Gophers real quick before we get out of here. But before we do that, I want everybody to know SiriusXM is a, par- a proud partner with Locked On Sports Minnesota. You can just download the SXM app on any app market, whether you have an Android or an iPhone, whatever you have. If you have a tablet, just search SXM in your search and then you will have the SiriusXM app and then you can catch every minute of the Timberwolves hometown broadcast with the Sirius XM on the SXM app as well. And just search Timberwolves. Now, you know what? The Gophers did lose to Purdue. It was a close game. I think it was like 82 to 76. Um, the resume builder for them, we don't know if that's going to mean they're in or out. They did blow a 20-point lead to Iowa. Um, they, they did have some big wins, though. They beat Michigan State at home uh, in front of the hometown crowd. They beat Trey Holloman. So, start with you, Reggie. We'll go around the horn before we get out of here. Reggie. Gophers, big dance. What you think? Man, get, let them get in, man. Like, this has been a good year for Ben Johnson and the team. I just – I have so much respect for Ben Johnson. I just think he's such a good dude. I think the the players love playing for him. I think he's just a, a, a guy who really probably didn't get a fair shake coming in there. Like, the cupboard was bare. And that, those first two years were a struggle. But I'm glad they stuck with him because I do think that he's a really good basketball coach and he really cares about the program. And I just I, I want to see him do well. I, I'm just in that boat where I just want to see him do well because he's a good dude. And so, like, he's gotten them playing so well. this year. He's getting the most out of Dawson Garcia this year and he's got the rotations going well. They're they're playing hard, like the effort is there. They had an eight point lead over Purdue at the half yesterday, and it was just it was looking like oh man, like they they could do this thing, and they kind of just you know ran out of gas a little bit late, and and kind of the the talent of Purdue kind of took over. But that was a that was a huge almost upset there, and I think I, I tweeted it. There are no moral victories in in sports, but man, like. You have to feel like that team is close. And I think that's probably good for Ben Johnson's recruiting efforts moving forward and just giving the people something like, hey, this program is on the way back. I'm steering the ship the right way. We can do this. I think they need probably a few more like solid wins and maybe maybe a couple wins in like the Big Ten tournament to, to get into the dance. But look, I know we're supposed to be objective, but like, I, I'm 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 here for their success. There are some moral victories in sports. The Detroit Lions should feel like they could have been Super Bowl champs if they had made it because Dan Campbell, he would have he would have known exactly what to do in overtime. So we already know <laughs> that. I saw a bunch of tweets from CJ Gardner Johnson and a couple players got into it. 49ers players versus Lions players. They said they would have been ready for that moment. And they would have run the ball at the end if they had that lead. So that's just that's a little moral victory. I know they weren't in directly involved. But I got to give Detroit the moral victory there. Julia, what you got? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think 
Ben Johnson, he's such an easy guy to root for. Um, I think we also forget, like, this is not a team that Ben Johnson went out and recruited all over the nation for. 80% of this roster is from here, right? Which is Which adds to the respect I think people have for him as well. And granted, Minnesota, come on, we're, we have really great high school basketball here, but just the fact that you can take these guys and take such a young group, especially from last year and change it into the team that we're seeing now. Um, I would love to see them uh, make the bracket. I think right now we're starting to see as much as, you know, blowing a 20 point lead to Iowa sucks. Right. Um, I think that the Gophers are coming up to their their peak this season. I think they have some issues with consistency, and I think they have some issues with fouls. Um, Parker Fox fouling out against Iowa. Elijah Hawkins fouling with two minutes, a minute left to go in, in crunch time of games that are one-possession games has hurt them. Um, I think they just have a few things, a few tweaks to make, and and they will see the success that they obviously have shown the potential for. Um, the the consistency thing too has to. I mean, I was at the Northwestern game. I was covering that game. If they had hit half the shots that they missed that day, um, they would have easily put that game away early. Um, but it it just come down to trying to figure out what works. And I think that they are starting to figure out what's working for them. Um, They've just yet to have that really big win against a team. You know, we saw it against Purdue last night and how well they played. But like also Reggie said, I think it's just a a, a stamina thing too, keeping up with these teams. They obviously have the talent. They have the game plan for it. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're physically exhausted, um, that's going to come into play too. But uh, I'm not counting them out yet. I think it's really impressive what they've done, what Ben Johnson has done just in his time here, but also last season compared to this season. He has, I think, fulfilled everything that he said he was going to do, um, which also adds to the respect I think that people have for him. Yeah, it's an uphill climb for them to make this tournament as much as we like their their grit and their turnaround as a program, they're 80th in the net rankings. They're one in five in quad one games. Beating Iowa would have been nice. Beating Purdue would have been even nicer. Those would have been head turners for the committee. You don't have many chances left to impress them. You got one ranked team left in your final seven regular season games. I think you got to win five or six of those seven, and you can't be one and done in the Big Ten tournament. You're just going to have to make it in volume of wins. You're going to have to get that number to 21-22, I think, to be on the bubble. Because they got to jump a bunch of teams that are on the bubble. Um, It's a nice team. It's a team that gives you hope for the future if they can keep this group around. But Mm -hmm. they're going to have to really rattle some off here. they got to get hot. Uh, They can win the next two at home. Rutgers and then Ohio State, who just fired their coach. Um, But you can't let opportunities slip like that. I mean, they're up by by 10 early in the second half against Purdue, and then they get outscored by 18 over the next nine minutes. Uh, can't happen. You got to take those opportunities when you have them. And, and for me, I think, like, I, I watched the whole, I don't know if you guys watched the Michigan State game, but Christie in the Michigan State game absolutely, like, had himself a little bit of a run here and there. I think they got to find a way to get Christie more involved in these games. Uh, you got to find sets for him. You got to treat him like clay almost, like let him come off picks. Let him, 
And I get it. Like you already had guys, quote unquote, they're supposed to be your focal point guys. Um, the other thing that, that's kind of strange to me is the guys that transferred. Uh, if you could think about some of those guys staying here and giving it one more shot, how much better they would be with, because they'd have depth. And that's what they're lacking is when they get into minutes. And you're right. They look tired. They look exhausted. They don't have depth. They don't have that eighth and ninth body to come off the bench and actually give you actual minutes. Um, Parker Fox is doing a decent job, but that big dude, the big 6'11", 285-pound dude, he's not going to give you much production. He's not going to give you – I mean, he's an, uh, an enforcer, I guess you want to call him. But the whole battle situation, like when he left, and now you hear Ohio State's coach is getting fired. Like, hindsight is twenty twenty. NIL looks all cool, but if you win – the NIL will come. And I think that's for me what I felt like it was a little bit of a bailout. It was a little bit of a run away from the situation. Um, you know, I think if he was here, if battle was here, you add that with Dawson Garcia and what Ben John's trying to put together, but what they're missing to be honest, and I don't know if they'll, when they'll get it or if they'll get it, they're missing an Anthony Edwards type guy. Like they need a guard that when the minutes count. So you look at Jay Nivey when he was at Purdue, when those minutes count, you need a guard that's going to say, give me the ball get out my way. I'm going to create step backs. I'm going to create drives, dribble passes. I'm going to be the guy. Let's run the pick and pop. Let's run the pick and roll. Let's run the pick and oop. He does not have a guard right now that can do that. And I think that's going to be the key. If they were to go in the dance, and I hate when they do this, the committee looks at sexy. Are the Gophers sexy? No. Are they a team that you feel like they can beat some of these mid-majors? Yes. Could they upset a few teams? Yes. So I hope that's enough on their resume. I hope some people are pounding on the table in that meeting for the Gophers. But at the end of the day, they got to win these last two, uh, these next two, sorry, Rutgers and Ohio State for sure. You win those and maybe they okay, like, because you already lost to Ohio State once, but you turn around and beat them. Maybe that, maybe that helps your case out a little bit, but I think they should be able to do it. But that'll do it for us today on the roundtable. I'm Ron Johnson. That's Sam Ekstrom. That's Reggie Wilson and Julia Daniels from CARE 11. And that's Cowboy the Cat, not Tony Romo the cowboy. Uh, we want to thank you guys for the every day or for sure. We want to thank you guys seriously for downloading, listening, uh, whether you're on the SiriusXM app, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're on uh, Amazon Fire, whether you're on your Roku device. We appreciate you guys because without you guys, we wouldn't be here. But again, make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. You can get 24-7 around the clock. You got the basketball party. You got the football party. You got the round table. You got the Ron Johnson Show. Make sure you guys check out the C.J. Ham interview last week and the next one. We got C.J. again next week. Going to open up a vein about his family life, about things on and off the field he wish he could change. Also, you got Wolves, Vikings, Wild, and you got the Timberwolves 24-7 around the clock. Make sure you guys subscribe and have a great weekend.